Section thirty nine of the Journals of Robert Falcon Scott, Volume One, by Robert Falcon Scott. This is a LibriVox recording. Section thirty nine, Chapter eighteen, Summit Journey to the Pole, Part two. Friday, January the fifth, Camp fifty eight, Height, Morning ten thousand four hundred thirty. Night, 10,320. Temperature, minus 14.8 degrees. Observations, 87 degrees 57 minutes. 159 degrees 13 minutes. Minimum temperature, minus 23.5. Temperature, minus 21 degrees. A dreadfully trying day. Light wind from the north-northwest, bringing detached cloud, and constant fall of ice crystals. The surface, in consequence, as bad as could be after the first hour. We started at 8.15, marched solidly till 1.15, covering 7.4 miles, geographical, and again in the afternoon we plugged on. By 7 p.m. we had done 12.5 miles, geographical, the hardest we have yet done on the plateau. The sastrugi seemed to increase as we advanced, and they have changed direction from south-west to south-by-west. In the afternoon a good deal of confusing cross-sustrugi, and to-night a very rough surface with evidences of hard southerly wind. Luckily the sledge shows no sign of capsizing yet. We sigh for a breeze to sweep the hard snow, but to-night the outlook is not promising better things. However, we are very close to the 88th parallel, little more than 120 miles from the pole only a march from Shackleton's final camp, and in a general way getting on. We go little over a mile and a quarter an hour now. It is a big strain as the shadows creep slowly round from our right, through a head to our left. What lots of things we think of on these monotonous marches! What castles one builds now, hopefully, that the pole is ours! Bowers took sights to-day, and will take them every third day. We feel the cold very little. The great comfort of our situation is the excellent drying effect of the sun. Our socks and finesco are almost dry each morning. Cooking for five takes a seriously longer time than cooking for four, perhaps half an hour on the whole day. It is an item I had not considered when reorganising. Saturday, January the 6th, height 10,470, temperature minus 22.3. Obstacles arising. Last night we got amongst the Struji. They increased in height this morning, and now we are in the midst of a sea of fish-hook waves, well remembered from our northern experience. We took off our ski after the first one and a half hours, and pulled on foot. It is terribly heavy in places, and, to add to our trouble, every Sestrugis is covered with a beard of sharp branching crystals. We have covered six and a half miles, but we cannot keep up our average if this sort of surface continues. There is no wind. Camp 59, latitude 88 degrees 7 minutes, height 10,430 to 10,510, rise of barometer, question mark, temperature minus 22.5 degrees, minimum minus 25.8. Morning. Fearfully hard pull again and when we had marched about an hour we discovered that a sleeping-bag had fallen off the sledge. We had to go back and carry it on, 
It cost us over an hour and disorganised our party. We have only covered ten and a half miles, geographical, and it's been about the hardest pull we've had. We think of leaving our ski here, mainly because of risk of breakage. Over the Sestrugi it is all up and down hill, and the covering of ice crystals prevents the sledge from gliding even on the downgrade. The Sestrugi, I fear, have come to stay, and we must be prepared for heavy marching. But in two days I hope to lighten loads with the depot. We are south of Shackleton's last camp, so, I suppose, have made the most southerly camp. Sunday, January the 7th, height 10,560, lunch, temperature minus 21.3 degrees. The vicissitudes of this work are bewildering. Last night we decided to leave our ski on account of the Sestrugi. This morning we marched out a mile in forty minutes, and the Sestrugi gradually disappeared. I kept debating the ski question, and at this point stopped, and after discussion we went back and fetched the ski. It cost us one and a half hours nearly. Marching again I found to my horror we could scarcely move the sledge on ski. The first hour was awful, owing to the wretched coating of loose sandy snow. However, we persisted, and towards the latter end of our tiring march we began to make better progress, but the work is still awfully heavy. I must stick to the ski after this. Afternoon, Camp 60, temperature minus 23 degrees, height 10,570, observations, latitude 88 degrees, 18 minutes 40 seconds, south, longitude 157 degrees, 21 minutes east, variations 179 degrees, 15 minutes west. Very heavy pulling still, but did five miles, geographical, in over four hours. This is the shortest march we have made on the summit, but there is excuse. Still, there is no doubt, if things remained as they are, we could not keep up the strain of such marching for long. Things, however, luckily, will not remain as they are. Tomorrow we depot a week's provision, lightening altogether about a hundred pounds. This afternoon the welcome southerly wind returned, and is now blowing force two to three. I cannot but think it will improve the surface. The Sestrugi are very much diminished, and those from the south seem to be overpowering those from the southeast. Cloud travelled rapidly over from the south this afternoon, and the surface was covered with sandy crystals. These were not so bad as the bearded Sestrugi, and oddly enough the wind and drift only gradually obliterate these striking formations. We have scarcely risen at all to-day, and the plain looks very flat. It doesn't look as though there were more rises ahead, and one could not wish for a better surface, if only the crystal deposit would disappear or harden up. I am awfully glad we have hung on to the ski. Hard as the marching is, it is far less tiring on ski. Bowers has a heavy time on foot, but nothing seems to tire him. Evans has a nasty cut on his hand, sledge-making. I hope it won't give trouble. Our food continues to amply satisfy. What luck to have hit on such an excellent ration! We really are an excellently found party. Monday, January the 8th, Camp 60, noon. Temperature minus 19.8 degrees. Minimum for night, minus 25 degrees. Our first summit blizzard. We might have just started after breakfast, but the wind seemed obviously on the increase, and so has proved. The sun has not been obscured, but snow is evidently falling as well as drifting. 
The sun seems to be getting a little brighter as the wind increases. The whole phenomenon is very like a barrier blizzard, only there is much less snow, as one would expect, and at present less wind, which is somewhat of a surprise. Evans's hand was dressed this morning, and the rest ought to be good for it. I am not sure it will not do us all good, as we lie so very comfortably, warmly clothed in our comfortable bags, within our double-walled tent. However, we do not want more than a day's delay at most, both on account of lost time and food, and the slow accumulation of ice. Night temperature minus 13.5 degrees. It has grown much thicker during the day, from time to time obscuring the sun for the first time. The temperature is low for a blizzard, but we are very comfortable in our double tent, and the cold snow is not sticky, and not easily carried into the tent, so that the sleeping bags remain in good condition. Temperature minus three degrees. The glass is rising slightly. I hope we shall be able to start in the morning, but fear that a disturbance of this sort may last longer than our local storm. It is quite impossible to speak too highly of my companions. Each fulfils his office to the party. Wilson, first as a doctor, ever on the lookout to alleviate the small pains and troubles incidental to the work. Now as cook, quick, careful, and dexterous, ever thinking of some fresh expedient to help the camp life, tough as steel on the traces, never wavering from start to finish. Evans, a giant worker with a really remarkable headpiece. It is only now I realise how much has been due to him. Our ski clothes and crampons have been absolutely indispensable, and if the original ideas were not his, the details of manufacture and design, and the good workmanship, are his alone. He is responsible for every sledge, every sledge fitting, tents, sleeping bags, harness, and when one cannot recall a single expression of dissatisfaction with any one of these items, it shows what an invaluable assistant he has been. Now, besides superintending the putting up of the tent, he thinks out and arranges the packing of the sledge. It is extraordinary how neatly and handily everything is stowed, and how much study has been given to preserving the suppleness and good running qualities of the machine. On the barrier, before the ponies were killed, he was ever roaming round, correcting faults of stowage. Little Bowers remains a marvel. He is thoroughly enjoying himself. I leave all the provision arrangement in his hands, and at all times he knows exactly how we stand, or how each returning party should fare. It has been a complicated business to redistribute stores at the various stages of reorganisation, but not one single mistake has been made. In addition to the stores, he keeps the most thorough and conscientious meteorological record, and to this he now adds the duty of observer and photographer. Nothing comes amiss to him and no work is too hard. It is a difficulty to get him into the tent. He seems quite oblivious of the cold, and he lies coiled in his bag, writing and working out sights long after the others are asleep. Of these three it is a matter of thought and congratulation that each is sufficiently suited for his own work, but would not be capable of doing that of the others as well as it is done. Each is invaluable. Oates had his invaluable period with the ponies. Now he is a foot-slogger, and goes hard the whole time, does his share of camp-work, and stands the hardship as well as any of us. I would not like to be without him, either, so our five people are as happily selected as it is possible to imagine. Tuesday, January the ninth, Camp 61, 
Record. Latitude 88 degrees 25 minutes. Height 10,270 feet. Barometer risen, I think. Temperature minus 4 degrees. Still blowing and drifting when we got to breakfast, but signs of taking off. The wind had gradually shifted from south to east-southeast. After lunch we were able to break camp in a bad light, but on a good surface. We made a very steady afternoon march, covering six and a half miles. Geographical. This should place us in latitude 88 degrees 25 minutes, beyond the record of Shackleton's walk. All is new ahead. The barometer has risen since the blizzard, and it looks as though we were on the level plateau, not to rise much further. Observations, longitude 159 degrees 17 minutes, 45 seconds, east. Variations, 179 degrees 55 minutes, west. Minimum temperature, minus 7.2 degrees. More curiously, the temperature continued to rise after the blow, and now at minus 4 degrees it seems quite warm. The sun has only shone very indistinctly all the afternoon, although brighter now. Clouds are still drifting over from the east. The marching is growing terribly monotonous, but one cannot grumble as long as the distance can be kept up. It can, I think, if we leave a depot, but a very annoying thing has happened. Bowers's watch has suddenly dropped twenty-six minutes. It may have stopped from being frozen outside his pocket, or he may have inadvertently touched the hands. Anyway, it makes one more chary of leaving stores on this great plain, especially as the blizzard tended to drift up our tracks. We could only just see the back track when we started, but the light was extremely poor. Wednesday, January the 10th, Camp 62, temperature minus 11 degrees, last depot 88 degrees 29 minutes south, 159 degrees 33 minutes east, variation 180 degrees. Terrible hard march in the morning, only covered 5.1 miles, geographical. Decided to leave a depot at lunch camp. Built cairn and left one week's food together with sundry articles of clothing. We are down as close as we can go in the latter. We go forward with eighteen days' food. Yesterday I should have said certain to see us through, but now the surface is beyond words, and if it continues we shall have the greatest difficulty to keep our march long enough. The surface is quite covered with sandy snow, and when the sun shines it is terrible. During the early part of the afternoon it was overcast, and we started our lightened sledge with a good swing, but during the last two hours the sun cast shadows again, and the work was distressingly hard. We have covered only 10.8 miles. Geographical. Only 85 miles. Geographical from the pole. But it's going to be a stiff pull, both ways, apparently. Still, we do make progress, which is something. Tonight the sky is overcast. The temperature, minus 11 degrees much higher than I anticipated. It is very difficult to imagine what is happening to the weather. The sastrugi grow more and more confused, running from south to east. Very difficult steering in uncertain light, and with rapidly moving clouds. The clouds don't seem to come from anywhere, form and disperse without visible reason. The surface seems to be growing softer. The meteorological conditions seem to point to an area of variable light winds and that plot will thicken as we advance. Thursday, January the 11th. Lunch. Height 10,540. Temperature minus 15 degrees 8 minutes. It was heavy pulling from the beginning today, 
but for the first two and a half hours we could keep the sledge moving. Then the sun came out, it had been overcast and snowing with light south-easterly breeze, and the rest of the forenoon was agonising. I never had such pulling. All the time the sledge rasps and creaks. We have covered six miles, but at fearful cost to ourselves. Night Camp 63, height 10,530, temperature minus 16.3 degrees, minimum minus 25.8 degrees. Another hard grind in the afternoon, and five miles added. About 74 miles from the pole. Can we keep this up for seven days? It takes it out of us like anything. None of us ever had such hard work before. Cloud has been coming and going overhead all day drifting from the southeast, but continually altering shape, snow crystals falling all the time, a very light south breeze at start, soon dying away. The sun's so bright and warm to-night it is almost impossible to imagine a minus temperature. The snow seems to get softer as we advance. The sastrugi, though sometimes high and undercut, are not hard, no crusts except yesterday, the surface subsided once, as on the barrier. It seems pretty certain there is no steady wind here. Our chance still holds good if we can put the work in, but it's a terribly trying time. Friday, January the 12th, Camp 64. Temperature minus 17.5 degrees. Latitude 88 degrees 57 minutes. Another heavy march with snow getting softer all the time. Sun very bright, calm at first. First two hours terribly slow. Lunch, four and three-quarter hours, 5.6 miles, geographical. Sight latitude, 88 degrees, 52 minutes. Afternoon, four hours, 5.1 miles, total 10.7. In the afternoon we seem to be going better. Clouds spread over from the west with light chill wind, and for a few brief minutes we tasted the delight of having the sledge following free. Alas, in a few minutes it was worse than ever, in spite of the sun's eclipse. However, the short experience was salutary. We had got to fear that we were weakening badly in our pulling. Those few minutes showed me that we only want a good surface to get along as merrily as of old. With the surface as it is, one gets horribly sick of the monotony, and can easily imagine oneself getting played out, were it not that at the lunch and night camps one so quickly forgets all one's troubles and bucks up for a fresh effort. It is an effort to keep up the double figures, but if we can do so for another four marches, we ought to get through. It is going to be a close thing. At camping tonight, everyone was chilled, and we guessed a cold snap, but, to our surprise, the actual temperature was higher than last night, when we could dawdle in the sun. It is most unaccountable why we should suddenly feel the cold in this manner, partly the exhaustion of the march, but partly some damp quality in the air, I think. Little Bowers is wonderful. In spite of my protest, he would take sights after we had camped to-night, after marching in the soft snow all day, where we have been comparatively restful on ski. Night position, latitude 88 degrees 57 minutes, 25 seconds south, longitude 160 degrees 21 minutes east, variation 179 degrees 49 minutes west, minimum temperature minus 23.5 degrees. Only sixty-three miles, geographical, from the pole tonight. We ought to do the trick. 
but, oh, for a better service, it is quite evident this is a comparatively windless area. The sestrugi are few and far between, and all soft. I should imagine occasional blizzards sweep up from the south-east, but none with violence. We have deep tracks in the snow, which is soft as deep as you like to dig down. Saturday, January the 13th, lunch. Height, 10,390. Barometer low, question mark. Lunch, latitude, 89 degrees, 3 minutes, 18 seconds. Started on some soft snow, very heavy dragging, and went slow. We could have supposed nothing but that such conditions would last from now onward, but to our surprise, after two hours, we came to a sea of sustrugi, all lying from south to east, predominant east-south-east. have had a cold little wind from the south-east and south-south-east, where the sky is overcast, have done 5.6 miles, and are now over the 89th parallel. Night camp, 65. Height, 10,270. Temperature, minus 22.5 degrees. Minimum, minus 23.5 degrees. Latitude, 89 degrees 9 south. Very nearly. We started very well in the afternoon. Thought we were going to make a real good march. But after the first two hours, surface crystals became as sandy as ever. Still, we did 5.6 miles geographical, giving over 11 for the day. Well, another day with double figures and a bit over. The chance holds. It looks as though we were descending slightly. Sestrugi remain as in forenoon. It is wearisome work, this tugging and straining, to advance a light sledge. Still, we get along. I did manage to get my thoughts off the work for a time today, which is very restful. We should be in a poor way without our ski. No Bowers manages to struggle through the soft snow without tiring his short legs. Only fifty-one miles from the pole to-night. If we don't get to it, we shall be damn close. There is a little southerly breeze to-night. I devoutly hope it may increase in force. The alternation of soft snow and sustrugi seem to suggest that the coastal mountains are not so very far away. Sunday, January the 14th, Camp 66. Lunch. Temperature minus 18 degrees. Night temperature minus 15 degrees. Sun showing mistily through overcast sky all day. Bright southerly wind with very low drift. In consequence, the surface was a little better, and we came along very steadily. 6.3 miles in the morning and 5.5 in the afternoon. But the steering was awfully difficult and trying. Very often I could see nothing, and bowers on my shoulders directed me. Under such conditions, it is an immense help to be pulling on ski. Tonight it is looking very thick. The sun can barely be distinguished, and the temperature has risen, and there are serious indications of a blizzard. I trust they will not come to anything. There are practically no signs of heavy wind here, so that even if it blows a little, we may be able to march. Meanwhile, we are less than forty miles from the pole. Again, we noticed the cold at lunch today. Observations, latitude 89 degrees, 20 minutes, 53 seconds, south. All our feet were cold, but this was mainly due to the bald state of our finesco. I put some grease under the bare skin and found it made all the difference. Oates seems to be feeling the cold and fatigue more than the rest of us, but we are all very fit. It is a critical time, but we ought to pull through. The barometer has fallen very considerably, and we cannot tell whether due to ascent of plateau or change of weather. Oh, for a few fine days. 
So close, it seems, and only the weather to balk us. Monday, January the 15th, lunch camp. Height, 9,950. Last depot. During the night the air cleared entirely, and the sun shone in a perfectly clear sky. The light wind had dropped, and the temperature fallen to minus 25 degrees, minimum minus 27 degrees. I guessed this meant a hard pull, and guessed right. The surface was terrible, but for four and three-quarter hours yielded six miles. Geographical. We are all pretty well done at camping, and here we leave our last depot. Only four days' food, and a sundry or two. The load is now very light, but I fear that the friction will not be greatly reduced. Night, January the 15th, height 9,920, temperature minus 25 degrees. The sledge came surprisingly lightly after lunch. Something from loss of weight, something, I think, from stowage, and most of all, perhaps, as a result of tea. Anyhow, we made a capital afternoon march of 6.3 miles, bringing the total for the day to over 12, 12.3. The Sestrugi again very confused, but mostly southeast quadrant. The heaviest snow now almost east, so that the sledge continually bumps over ridges. The wind is from the west-northwest chiefly, but the weather remains fine, and there is no Sestrugi from that direction. Camp 67. Lunch observations. Latitude 89 degrees, 26 minutes, 57 seconds. Latitude dead reckoning, 89 degrees, 33 minutes, 15 seconds south. Longitude 160 degrees, 56 minutes, 45 seconds east. Variations, 179 degrees east. It is wonderful to think that two long marches would land us at the Pole. We left our depot today with nine days' provisions, so that it ought to be a certain thing now and the only appalling possibility, the sight of the Norwegian flag forestalling ours. Little Bowers continues his indefatigable efforts to get good sights, and it is wonderful how he works them up in his sleeping-bag in our congested tent. Minimum for night, minus 27.5 degrees. Only 27 miles from the pole. We ought to do it now. Tuesday, January the 16th, Camp 68. Height 9,760. Temperature minus 23.5 degrees. The worst has happened, or nearly the worst. We marched well in the morning and covered seven and a half miles. Noon sight showed us in latitude 89 degrees 42 seconds, and we started off in high spirits in the afternoon, feeling that tomorrow would see us at our destination. About the second hour of the march, Bowers's sharp eyes detected what he thought was a cairn. He was uneasy about it, but argued that it must be a Sestrugis. Half an hour later he detected a black speck ahead. Soon we knew that this could not be a natural snow feature. We marched on, found that it was a black flag tied to a sledge-bearer. Nearby the remains of a camp, sledge-tracks and ski-tracks, going and coming, and the clear trace of dog's paws many dogs. This told us the whole story. The Norwegians have forestalled us, and are first at the pole. It is a terrible disappointment, and I am very sorry for my loyal companions. Many thoughts come, and much discussion have we had. Tomorrow we must march on to the pole, and then hasten home with all the speed we can compass. All the daydreams must go. 
it will be a wearisome return. We are descending in altitude. Certainly also the Norwegians found an easy way up. Wednesday, January the 17th, Camp 69, temperature minus 22 degrees at start, night minus 21 degrees. The Pole. Yes, but under very different circumstances from those expected. We have had a horrible day. Added to our disappointment, a head wind four to five, with a temperature minus twenty-two degrees, and companions labouring on with cold feet and hands. We started at seven-thirty, none of us having slept much after the shock of our discovery. We followed the Norwegian sledge tracks for some way. As far as we make out, there were only two men. About three miles we passed two small cairns. Then the weather overcast, and the tracks being increasingly drifted up and obviously going too far to the west, we decided to make straight for the pole, according to our calculations. At 12.30 Evans had such cold hands we camped for lunch. An excellent weekend one. We had marched 7.4 miles. Latitude sight gave 89 degrees 53 minutes 37 seconds. We started out and did 6.5 miles due south. Tonight, little Bowers is laying himself out to get sights in terrible, difficult circumstances. The wind is blowing hard, temperature minus 21 degrees, and there is that curious, damp, cold feeling in the air which chills one to the bone in no time. We have been descending again, I think, but there looks to be a rise ahead. Otherwise, there is very little that is different from the awful monotony of past days. Great God, this is an awful place and terrible enough for us to have laboured to it without the reward of priority. Well, it is something to have got here, and the wind may be our friend to-morrow. We have had a fat polar hooch in spite of our chagrin, and feel comfortable inside. Added a small stick of chocolate and the queer taste of a cigarette brought by Wilson. Now for the run home, and a desperate struggle. I wonder if we can do it. Thursday morning, January the 18th, decided after summing up all the observations that we were 3.5 miles away from the pole, one mile beyond it, and three to the right. More or less in this direction, Bowers saw a cairn or tent. We have just arrived at this tent, two miles from our camp, therefore about one and a half miles from the pole. In the tent we find a record of five Norwegians having been here, as follows. Raoul Amundsen, Olav Olafsson Bialand, Hilma Hansen, Sver H. Hassel, Oscar Wisting, 16th of December, 1911. The tent is fine, a small compact affair supported by a single bamboo. A note from Amundsen, which I keep, asks me to forward a letter to King Harkon. The following articles have been left in the tent. Three half-bags of reindeer, containing a miscellaneous assortment of mitts and sleeping socks, very various in description, a sextant, a Norwegian artificial horizon, and a hypsometer without boiling-point thermometers, a sextant and hypsometer of English make. Left a note to say I had visited the tent with companions, Bowers photographing and Wilson sketching. Since lunch we have marched 6.2 miles south-southeast by compass, i.e. northwards. Sights at lunch gave us half to three-quarters of a mile from the pole, so we call it the pole camp. Temperature, lunch, minus 21 degrees. We built a cairn, put up our poor slighted Union Jack, 
and photographed ourselves. Mighty cold work, all of it. Less than half a mile south we saw stuck up an old underrunner of a sledge. This we commandeered as a yard for a floor-cloth sail. I imagine it was intended to mark the exact spot of the pole as near as the Norwegians could fix it. Height nine thousand five hundred feet. A note attached talked of the tent being two miles from the pole. Wilson keeps the note. There is no doubt that our predecessors have made thoroughly sure of their mark and fully carried out their programme. I think the pole is about 9,500 feet in height. This is remarkable, considering that in latitude 88 degrees we were about 10,500. We carried the Union Jack about three-quarters of a mile north with us, and left it on a piece of stick as near as we could fix it. I fancy the Norwegians arrived at the pole on the 15th of December, and left on the 17th ahead of a date quoted by me in London as ideal, viz. December the 22nd. It looks as though the Norwegian party expected colder weather on the summit than they got. It could scarcely be otherwise from Shackleton's account. Well, we have turned our back now on the goal of our ambition, and must face our eight hundred miles of solid dragging, and good-bye to most of the daydreams. End of chapter 18, part 2